With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the Rich Eisen Show. Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. You know, I think that's what this offseason's been about. Jay Glazer said he still wants out. The Rich Eisen Show. Today's guests, NBA columnist for The Athletic, Sam Amick. ESPN NFL analyst, Louis Riddick. Actor, Ray Liotta. Colts defensive tackle, DeForest Buckner. Plus, actors Martin Sheen and Luke Wilson. And now... It's Rich Eisen. All righty then. Welcome to this edition of the Rich Eisen Show. We're here on a, a Friday before Father's Day. Uh, I'm your best dad ever, so uh, happy Father's Day in advance. You're second place. How are you over there, Chris Brockman? And I mean the same thing to you, even though I've hey. seen you in, in action with your, your beautiful son, Hey, Cage. hey, hey. I'm great. How I'm great. You? I'm better than the uh, Brooklyn Nets today. Good to see you, Mr. Feller. How are you? I'm How good. are you? What's up, uh, Del Tufo is somewhere. T.J. <laughs> Jefferson, good to see you, sir. Good, good to, to see, see you. I got a question. Yes. Father's Day is coming. Best dad ever. Yes. Much like Roman Reigns has to do in Hell of a Cell tonight on SmackDown. Do you have to defend that best dad oh. ever? You know what? Um, let's put a pin in that and let's uh, let's chop that up. That's a great uh, topic of conversation for later on. That also includes the Washington football team um, uh, discussing uh, the uh, the Washington football team through the lens of the coach Ron Rivera. That um, this could be Ryan Fitzpatrick's team for just more than one year. Can't say that you can't. Yeah. Can't wait to talk about that with Lewis Riddick as well, the Monday Night Football analyst from ESPN. Now that everybody's mini camps are in the books, what did we just see? What happens next? What does he think is happening next with um, Aaron Rodgers? Uh, as for the scientist, his teammate coming up on the uh, big golf event in the first week of July, uh, he is getting set for his second round at the 121st United States Open on Torrey Pines that you could see here on Peacock and the Golf Channel and NBC Sports as well this weekend. Anybody who's watching right now, Bryson DeChambeau uh, teeing off, uh, is getting ready to uh, to start his second round, and he's three over par right now. Yeah, he, kinda, he struggled yesterday. Rich, two players lead the event right now at four under Louis Oosthuizen and Russell Henley okay very good four under and uh, a group of players at three under and so on and so forth and anybody who's watching right now um when we refer to June gloom out here in Southern California you can see that it it, it looks like some uh, pea soup out there but don't worry the marine layer will soon burn off and everything will look good and Hopefully for Bryson DeChambeau, uh, the marine layer on top of his three over par will will burn off as well. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that throughout this show that has, I mean, we're we're fired up, man. Uh, not only Lewis Riddick and DeForest Buckner to talk some football, the Indianapolis Colts defensive lineman, formerly of the San Francisco 49ers, he'll call into the program. But Ray Liotta and Martin Sheen and Luke Wilson are all on this program. Ooh, baby. 
Wow. Ray Liotta is in uh, a new Soderbergh movie that's coming uh, to a theater near you, and uh, also it premieres exclusively on HBO Max to start on July 1st. Ray Liotta is in a cast with Don Cheadle, Benicio Del Toro, John Hamm, Kieran Culker, Brendan Fraser, Bill Duke. Come on. Bill Duke. It is a great <laughs> film. And, um, and Ray Liotta will be joining us uh, in the middle of this program. And then Luke Wilson and Martin Sheen are in the latest sports movie called 12 Mighty Orphans uh, about uh, a team way back in the early days of football. And Luke Wilson takes a ragtag team of orphans along with his assistant coach, Martin Sheen, and molds them into champions. And um, there's a great story behind all this. And I will chat with both of them together in hour number three. And for all of you cinephiles out there, movie fans, for all of you fans of film out there, one of the co-stars of Martin Sheen's and Luke Wilson in this film, and Martin Sheen in particular I mentioned, is Robert Duvall. And the last time I believe they were in a movie together was a movie called Apocalypse Now. Heard of it. So we'll find out if 12 Mighty Orphans have the smell of napalm in the morning. <laughs> so that'll be later on in hour number three of this program. Sam Amick uh, of The Athletic will be joining us first because he co-wrote a piece um, earlier this week about the seeming dissension in the front office of the Dallas Mavericks. <laughs> and uh, it was a piece that um, Mark Cuban was quoted in. But then when it came out, Mark Cuban retweeted it, calling it total BS. And we're blanking out the last three words, three letters of the final word. So he wasn't talking about the Bulls. It just says total Bulls up on the screen right now on NBC Sports on Peacock, if you were listening to us. He wasn't talking about, it wasn't the last dance. It was total Bulls. And then we we we, we blurred out the, the hit. Hit. Yeah. So... Um, <laughs> So uh, after that happened, though, Donnie Nelson, the longtime quarter century, near quarter long century time. long, long general time. manager of this team, leaves the organization. And then yesterday, with two years left on his contract, Rick Carlisle says, I'm not returning as coach. But then said he looks forward to what's next, next in his coaching career. Yeah, right, so. So something's uh, up. What's up? And what's of course, up, the Mark? ultimate question is what's up? Is that does this mean that Luka Doncic would ever stray <coughs> and leave? <coughs> I know, I know, and you know, you you want him in Boston. <laughs> Ooh, he hey, he would go. Cool. I know. I, I you need a lozenge for that. I need a lozenge. Why? And yeah, I, I mean, yeah. this, this, no, you know, in the NFL, in the NFL, when the season's over, regular season's over, that's when every change happens and everything goes haywire on one day and maybe a couple of lingering stories after that. But the NBA this year waited till right in the middle of the second round. I mean, obviously, right. Portland, as soon as the Blazers were bounced, that was the end of Terry Stotts' tenure there. Right. And the Celtics, the minute that they were bounced, that was the end of you know, Danny Ainge's Danny Ainge, tenure yeah. there. And <laughs> interestingly enough, the first move is Brad Stevens as a front office executive is to trade Kemba Walker to Oklahoma City which is basically everybody's way station uh, right now. <laughs> At some point, you know, Oklahoma City will hit the win it now button, but right now they're taking everybody's contracts. Um, and it, it's not like 
they're just taking all of this in and not shedding any salary. Uh, but Kemba Walker, next year's 16th overall, so the Sixers' first round, Celtics, pardon me, first round draft choice next year and a second round choice four years from now in 2025. Kemba Walker, that first round selection next year and a 2025 second rounder goes to Oklahoma City for Al Horford, Moses Brown, and a second round pick two years from now in 2023. That was the Woj bomb today. And in case you're wondering, uh, Al Horford to the Celtics, if you've heard that one before, yeah, he was a former Celtic uh, who did very well there until he wanted to hit it in free agency and then sign a contract that was too rich for the Celtics' blood. So he wound up going to Philadelphia, wound up in Oklahoma City. But now the contract that was too rich for the Celtics' blood is actually something they'll take back because it's less than the contract that they paid to Kemba Walker using the money that they didn't want to give to Al Horford. Did I get that right? So I don't know if this was something that Brad Stevens didn't want Kemba Walker to begin with, or he saw firsthand it wasn't going to work out there with Kemba Walker, and he kind of digged it when Al Horford was there. Let's get him back. I kind of wanted him to resign, but Danny thought it was too rich. Let's go get Kemba Walker. I don't know if you can read into this that this was something that uh, the Horford departure was not something that Brad Stevens wanted, and the Kemba Walker acquisition and signing was not something that Brad Stevens wanted. Maybe he wanted all of it, but he has now actually seen – from boots on the ground position as a head coach that he didn't like what was happening with Kemba Walker, kind of digged what used to happen with Al Horford, figured let's get him back, and that contract, despite it being so incredibly expensive, the Celtics didn't want to pay it the first time around. This actually, in light and compared with the uh, contract of Kemba Walker, kind of looks decent now. I would actually be kind of surprised if Al's on, Sticks the, around? on the roster. I think... This feels to me, I mean, I guess I hope, Dude, and maybe what? this is a hope, the move before the move. What's the move? Who, who's going to take Al's contract? I don't know. The Celtics need a point guard, uh, and they needed some more scoring help. So uh, Ben we'll Simmons see. for Tatum. Let's go. You're insane. The Celtics would never do that. <laughs> throw on, you want to throw in the ghost of Markel Fultz as well? <laughs> we should have Tatum anyway, man. <laughs> and the funny thing is that That's now strange. now as soon as Kemba Walker shows up in Oklahoma City, which you know was the Chris Paul one-year way station before he wound up in Phoenix, uh, all Knicks fans are saying, oh, maybe the Knicks should go get Kemba Walker now. Kemba Walker's going to wind up on the Knicks. Why would, why would they want Kemba Walker after you just saw what happened in that in that division? I mean, yeah, what's the point? I'm also really worried about Kemba's knee. It's I, I, I don't understand. For a full season. And at some point, the, right. like I said, Oklahoma City is going to put something together and hit the win it now button like the Sixers did. And the Sixers, after hitting that win it now button, are now in a position right now with the players that you fill in the blanks that Sam Hinkie kept on saying, we'll fill in at some point, we'll fill in at some point. And then other general managers filled in for the Sixers. They're facing elimination this evening. So tonight, TJ Jefferson will be settling into a chair, ignoring his texts from his friends by saying <laughs> that his phone was out. He will be rooting for a game seven to appear in an Eastern Conference semifinal and rooting for a game seven to be unnecessary in a Western Conference semifinal as the Clippers take on the Jazz tonight who may or may not have game time decision for Donovan Mitchell. What? And if he is a game time decision that goes the wrong way for he and the Jazz, maybe the Jazz can have a road performance where nobody expects them to win similar to the one that the Clippers had in their house just two nights ago, bringing tonight's closeout game for the Clippers. Those are words that are that are rife with angst and that just send anxiety 
shivers down the spines of Clippers fans. Close out game for the Clippers. In a Western Conference semifinal, mind you. Taking them to the promised land, which um, for most organizations is the Larry O'Brien trophy. But for the Clippers right now, one step at a time, the Western Conference finals that they have never gained. That can happen tonight. Wow. You're a funny guy, Rich. How am I a funny guy? I'm just (laughs) spitting facts. And also, as you know, I'm a professional perspective placer. I place things in perspective as a professional. Just call me Triple P. Master (laughs) Triple P. That's me. Playoff Triple P. Playoff Triple P. Playoff P tonight. Time to play the game. Here we go. Paul George, PG-13. What Paul George are we going to see tonight? Oh, baby. I don't know. What was those loans that everyone got this summer? The PP loan? I, 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 the, yeah, the P, the, the PPP loan. Get that PPG loan tonight. Nicely done. Points per game loan. So, um, you've got that question about playoff Paul George, which Paul George shows up tonight. I mentioned it yesterday to kick off the show and Bomani Jones, whose appearance was, as always, par excellence. (laughs) Check it out on our YouTube page, youtube.com slash Rich Eisen show. He echoed it. Paul George was once upon a time the man in Indiana, mm-hmm. in Indianapolis. And he once upon a time was one of the he was one of the first in this decade that just passed to force his way out. Yeah. To say, I don't want to be here anymore. Don't I want to go here. to a new spot. You know? Kawhi kind of followed in those footsteps from San Antonio to Toronto. And the way that George took to Oklahoma City, which wasn't anybody's destination of mine, front of mine. It was kind of surprising. Yeah. And but and then he wanted to stay there. And that was the the whole concept that we were talking about nationally in the media when San Antonio sent Kawhi to Toronto. Hey, maybe, you know, you'll hire Hey, maybe, you know, it's just like Paul George in Oklahoma City. Maybe we'll go to Toronto and he'll like it there. Well, he liked it there enough to win a championship and then leave and then ask Paul George to join him. Hmm. And tonight Paul George is Interestingly enough, after that entire journey, now, like in Indiana, the man, the guy who's going to have to do it, not by himself, because clearly Marcus Morris Sr. and Reggie Jackson had terrific games in Mm -hmm. Game 5 as well, without which Paul George would have just been a standalone losing effort. But he is still the guy who's going to have to come up with the performance and is the guy who's going to have to make the big shot, one would think, when it's all coming down to it. Because you know you won't be sitting in a rocking chair tonight. I mean, that's most likely the case. I don't you, have one, so I definitely wouldn't. You know what I mean? The figurative sports <laughs> rocking chair where you sit back and this thing's in the... This is going to be thing, a sweat tonight, man. Especially Both since he's also got the... Both these games. He's got the jitters also from his other team, that he I, loves I hate those so air much quotes. that I hate he, those air quotes. He he he's got the jitters from the other team that's been up eighteen and twenty five respectively, or is it twenty six? Am I, I shortchanging the 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 uh, the flops? Twenty six. Pardon me. I stopped thinking about it. Can't so. wait. You know, on to the next. So one. much going on, Rich. You always give me world. air quotes like I was a Celtics and Lakers fan, like. I was a Clippers Clippers fan, man. Yeah, like I, I took the bottom of the barrel twenty years ago. But it just tonight, like normally, but you don't get credit for that. Most why normal, don't you? <laughs> I could, bro. I could have come to L.A. and immediately jumped on the Lakers bandwagon in '99 when that entire dynasty started. Right, but you, so but you I made chose, a choice. Yeah, I chose not to be a bandwagon jumper. No, I chose to go care. to a team. It's that, great. It's I great. chose to go to a team that didn't have that history. It's great though. It's great though because tonight you 
you bought it, you hopefully won't break it. You got two teams tonight. Normally, one one guy's just going to be sitting there, one gal's just going to be sitting there waiting for their team to play or watching their team to play, and then it's done, and you could just chill out the rest of the night. You just got you just got a double double dip tonight yeah. of both your teams from the East Coaster. That's T.J. Jefferson. You and these air quotes, man. You like, missed the air quotes around <laughs> East Coast, Chris, because you're. Well, I was looking at some uh, work you're doing some breaking way. news here about the Dallas Mavericks. Okay, so. what is that? Because we got Sam Amick joining us in a second. Uh, our buddy Mark Stein saying uh, former Mavericks superstar Dirk Nowitzki uh, is rejoining the team as a special advisor. First assignment at the request of Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. There you go. Assisting the team in search for a new head of basketball ops and then the head coach. Gotta love Cuban. That's a great... By the way, if there is a lot of incoming... Fan anger. What better human shield than Dirk Nowitzki? <laughs> right. And also, if you are looking around and you are trying to figure out what to do next and you're somebody who's got somebody as trusted as Dirk Nowitzki, you reach out to him. But those two things kind of mesh under one very um, crucial and also convenient um, hire. Yeah. So we'll talk about it with Sam Amick when we join uh when he joins us next, senior NBA writer from the Athletic. Lots going on in the NBA, certainly somebody who is writing about the Dallas Mavericks front office in dissension earlier this week, and then the general manager and coach leave within forty eight hours of that report. So he kind of knows what's what. That's next right here on this edition of the Rich Eisen Show that includes Lewis Riddick, DeForest Buckner on the football front. And Ray Liotta, Luke Wilson, and Martin Sheen right here on the Rich Eisen Show. Let's talk about the golf balls that we're seeing being struck by Phil Mickelson, Xander Shoffley, and John Rahm in these United States Open rounds that we're seeing right now on NBC Sports on uh, and on Peacock and also on the Golf Channel. The Chrome Soft Golf Balls, what they're most likely playing is the longest tour ball, the new Chrome Soft XLS you go buy that or you want to hit the longest bombs. We oh, all do. But I, I I like the Chrome Soft X because, you know, it's it's just a a ball that's the most popular ball that's out there. The original Chrome Soft, the number one selling tour ball because most golfers love the combination of incredible distance, soft feel, and short game control. There's the number one ball on tour that's the Chrome Soft X. Maybe these pros are using that today. Low spin profile provides max distance off the tee. Tour level short game spin. Chrome Soft isn't just better. It's better for everyone. If you are going for the United States Open Championship or me, who has no shot. <laughs> Find your Chrome Soft today at CallawayGolf.com slash Chrome Soft. CallawayGolf.com slash Chrome Soft. Sam Amick from The Athletic coming up. Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets at the Rich Eisen Show. And every single time I've been watching the basketball playoffs on TV, I've been wondering what it would be like to be at these games. And when you choose your tickets on game time, you can see the view from your seat where the court is, where you are in relation to it. And then the all-in prices, that's my favorite feature. The all-in prices make sure that you see the lowest price guarantee and also know exactly how much everything costs all in before you purchase. So all the guesswork is removed when you buy playoff tickets with game time. 
Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use my code RICH for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Visit GameTime.co for restrictions. Again, create an account, redeem my code RICH for $20 off your first purchase. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Hey, folks, it's time for the NFL Draft, which means for me, I need a good night's sleep because if I don't have one, just not myself. You know the deal. You know exactly how important it is to have quality sleep. It's a game changer for all of us. So sleep number helps me. My sleep number setting is 60. My wife's setting is 70. We both get a great night's sleep because we could adjust the firmness of our mattress on each side. Improve your quality sleep because Sleep Number learns how you sleep thanks to their smart beds and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Mike Del Tufo is standing in a microphone that's uh, about, I'd say, 20 feet away. Yep. Looking right at Mr. Wonderful of Kevin O'Leary of Shark Tank. Go for it, Mike Del Tufo. What happens if, like, something happens to me and 2,500 miles away, my family's there and they don't know I could be sitting in the apartment alone, dead for days? So I came up with an idea for an app <laughs> called Just In Case that would be basically you download it and you could check in with this app. And other people could see that, A, you're alive still. You could basically be tracked with it. And in theory, basically, it would keep you, you know, people knowing what's happening to you. Just to get the whole story yeah. before I completely eviscerate you. Go ahead. How, how, how would you make money doing this? You'd, a subscription per, per month. Oh, people are going to pay per month. 99 cents per month. Very cheap. $12 a year. <laughs> okay, so here's a scenario. Yep. Like you're in your apartment. You die. Don't you think the neighbors are going to smell your rotting corpse? <laughs> oh, no. There was actually a person in Santa Monica that sat for eight days, two buildings down from me, before people knew that that person was dead. That's the worst idea. I, it, not only does this have <laughs> zero merit, I mean, the chance that people actually want to contemplate their mortality and pay 99 cents a month doing it is crazy. Think about it. If, you, if, you're, if your mom calls you for two days and doesn't get an answer, she's probably going to call the super and say, go check on his corpse. Like, think about it. They don't need 99 cents a but month for that. But in theory, wouldn't you want, would, if it's something you don't have to do, Mike, other people can check in. When you're in. dead, you're dead. <laughs> like, who cares? But just in case. No, I won't care. There'll be a new guy. How does the app there know are, you're dead? The app doesn't know you're dead. You what have happens to tell is it you're not the dead. The app would tell not you dead that you're not checking in. Every time you unlock your phone, it would ping, and you put people on a list that know that if, like, your, your mother is in Florida. She could be sitting in the house. You know that at least she's checked in on her phone. If you're their kid, you don't have to talk to him on the phone. You don't have to call him. And if it's a kid, why you know you, the kid. Why, if you think you're, if you're, if you're worried if your mother's happened. dead, why don't you call her? Well, call let's your say, mother, Mike. Call let's, your mother. Let's just assume that you, let's, you don't, you're not going to call. People don't call their mother and father. Live 2,500 miles Mom, away every day. I just want to make sure you're not minute. dead. Like, are you kidding? You should call your mother every day. No, no, no. I'm talking about like all day. 
You don't know. Oh, oh you want to know the exact moment your yeah, mother died. you can died. check in if you know that they've actually... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. So she logs on and says, I'm dying, I'm dying. Oh, man. You, like, you know, Mike, horrifically bad, really bad, really bad. <laughs> I tried. Mr. Wonderful on the Rich Eisen Show from four years ago. That was so, that's seriously one of my top five favorite moments in the history of this program. Check out his entire appearance on our YouTube page, youtube.com slash Rich Eisen Show. Back here on our Rich Eisen Show radio network, along with NBC Sports on Peacock. We're thrilled to have right here kicking off our guest line today, uh, a man who co-wrote along with Tim Cato of The Athletic, a piece that... uh, Certainly caught my attention and everybody else in the NBA about some dissension in the Dallas Mavericks front office. And uh, and then now smash cut to three days later, general manager and coach are out. Sam Amick of The Athletic here on the Rich Eisen Show. How are you, Sam? Rich, doing great. Thanks for having me. You bet. So let's get right into this here. Uh, are you, I, I would say, I, I imagine... Are you surprised or unsurprised that these moves took place? I mean, you were obviously talking about the dissension in there, but um, man, holy smokes! Three days later, there. Exactly. What do you got for me on that? I'm surprised. I'm surprised at the scope of it and the 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 dramatic effect, I guess, and the uh, the quickness of it. The the part that I guess isn't surprising is that. um, To me, it's funny. When you write these kinds of stories, and, and obviously, you know folks like Mark are not happy that this stuff gets out. There becomes this a bit of a witch hunt to figure out, hey, where did this come from? And and there's part of me that, you know, this is one of those where you look at it as a reporter and you say, okay, this was coming from everywhere. It was so widespread, so widely known, just not out publicly yet, that that, that I think, is reflective of the moves that have been made since and the, the ripple effect of it. Now, the timeline here, Rich, is, is fascinating, too, though, because admittedly, when we dropped the story Monday morning, what we've learned since then is that Donnie Nelson had already been fired. He just hadn't told anybody. Um, and so, you know, on the media side of things, you know, it's, it's a funny timeline there. Um, but hmm. they, I mean, listen, there's a, a, a bigger story here about, you know, Mark's decision to bring a professional gambler into his culture, and that bothered a lot of people, and then it only got worse from there. So let's get into that part for for those who might not have read your piece and again the piece in the athletic that you co-wrote with tim cato inside the mavericks front office mark cuban's shadow gm is causing a rift with luka Doncic. that was the headline um put a few more meat on the bones right there a a a professional gambler uh is brought into the front office of the dallas mavericks yeah so back in 2018 is when formally um Bob Volgaris is working with the Mavs, but by his own contention, he had essentially a freelance relationship before that. So he's worked with them for quite some time. And my understanding, our understanding is that if you go back all the way to that time, you know, kind of the mid 20 teens, you have Mavericks employees that understandably are looking sideways at this hire. Uh, And this, I think, you know, again, you've seen the NBA get, cozier and cozier with the gambling industry this was kind of the you know a sign that it was trending in that direction anyway but nonetheless you have all these basketball folks that think that's uh, a, a complicated you know controversial fit but then more importantly it's the combination of bob's personality bob's style the fact that he had a direct line to cuban the fact that that folks like donnie nelson who had been there for a very long time over time came to the conclusion 
that they didn't have the juice that they had before and that, um, you know, certain moves that they wanted to happen weren't happening because, you know, Volgaris was advising differently. And, and it starts at Donnie and it goes all the way down through their front office and the scouting department. And, and these frustrations grew and grew and, and kind of obviously came to a head a couple of days ago. Well, Cuban, um, when you asked him about Volgaris um, uh, and his involvement in the piece, he was quoted, I really like what Bob brings to the table. He does a great job of supporting Rick and the front office with unique data insights and added that Bob has a great grasp of AI, and that's not Alan Iverson, and the opportunities it creates for gaining an advantage, which is important to me, but he isn't any more influential than any other data source on the team. That was a quote Cuban gave you. Uh, for your piece, uh, the quote he had about your piece when he retweeted on Twitter was total BS. Um, right. how, how do you square those comments? Um, it's funny, Rich. I've been asked a lot, you know, quite a few times the past couple of days about the reaction to that. I mean, part of it, I, I know Mark pretty well. Um, and, and, you know, on this one, the way we work at our company is Tim Cato is our beat writer. And so in this instance, he interfaced with Mark you know, directly, but I've dealt with Mark for a decade plus and I like Mark. Yeah. Um, I, I, I shrugged when I saw the tweet. I mean, my first feeling was essentially that it was performance theater and it's, it's kind of what he has to say. Um, little did I know, I mean, listen, you know, we say all the time on social media that certain tweets, you know, didn't hold up very well. That one didn't hold up very well. And, you know, you see uh, everything has been exposed the past couple of days, just how rot with issues they were internally. So um, it's fine. I get it. Um, you know, but obviously stand by and feel very good about the reporting. And, and again, we've seen what's happened since. So uh, Sam Amick of The Athletic here on the Rich Eisen Show. So at the time that this article came out, the general manager who was reported to be at odds with the front office had already been fired after a quarter century damn near quarter century on the job and right. is is carlisle's departure exactly um because uh vulgaris the shadow gm as you refer to him in your piece has won out is that is that what why i Carlisle's don't have going? total clarity there and, and in fairness journalistically you know certainly mark you know has taken great exception with the phrase shadow gm but it's you know you identify it however you want he had a, a ton of power and was making a lot of calls but with rick um, and having not talked to him personally, it's, you know, I think there's a few dots here that are really safe and fair to connect, which is like we reported the tension between Rick and Luca was really widely known. And, and to Rick's credit, like we wrote, you know, he's been really adaptable. Once he sees a star player that essentially is so great that he knows he's not going to win the personal battle with that star player. Rick has a knack for kind of standing down a little bit, seceding a little bit of control, finding a way to make it work. And he had done that with Luca, but there was still, there were issues there. So then, you know, you take away a longtime supporter and advocate in Donnie Nelson. And I think it's, it's obvious that was a factor in the way Rick looked at the situation, because when it comes to Rick and Bob Bulgaris, our understanding was that again, Rick had been adaptable. If I had to guess, I mean, for a proud coach who's accomplished a lot and is very good at what he does, that had to be a tough pill to swallow because, Rich, I'm not talking about just hearing, you know, the analytics guy out a little bit regarding rotations or playing time or style or strategy. I'm talking about, like, very direct line, you know, in game one of, of the playoffs, um, you know, let's 
let's try Boban in the starting lineup and feeling that pressure um, or wherever, whenever they started playing Boban as a starter. But like it, it was not, it became, it wasn't advice anymore. It was the feeling that, you know, if you say no to these things, you're probably going to be on the wrong side of things. So all those things match up to, to have a guy in Rick Carlisle who he's, he's too good at this to sit around and stay in that environment. I think he's going to be in the mix for a lot of these other jobs. And, and obviously he chose to move on. Sam Amick of The Athletic here. Who, who is Bob Volgaris? Again, that, that we keep mentioning his name. He's all over your piece. You refer to him as a shadow right. GM. That clearly rankled Mark Cuban. Who, who is this guy? That, that He's, I mean, my, you know, admittedly, I'm, I'm learning more by the day. And, you know, his public profile is of somebody who's a wildly successful gambler. And I'm talking poker tournaments. He placed fourth in the 2017 World Series of Poker. Um, he's he's written uh, on the media side about basketball. If you, there's still a website, uh, I think it's Alone in the Corner, Alone in the Dark, something like that, where where it's got you know years old basketball pontification from Bob. Um, you know, and he's a guy that that uh, is, has been in the media space, um, and it's it's kind of a classic Mark Cuban pickup because Mark has always taken a lot of pride in being you know outside the box, being unconventional, and so. Those guys, uh, I don't know all the specifics here, but they're, you know, I think there's been business done between them in the past that established that relationship. And then Mark reaches the point where he decides that, that his basketball views are worth adding to the, the official match program. But, I mean, the, the genesis of it is that, that Bob somewhat publicly had shown an ability to make a ton of money on the NBA based on the way he saw the game and, and you know, evaluating different teams from the outside, and that, of course, led to him being on the inside. How does the NBA feel about this, Sam? Because, again, you know, you, 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 you see it, I see it. The number of times that I, I, I get tweets in my direction, people even call the show, you know, Scott Foster's on this game, fixes in. You know, right. or, or right, right. like, where did that call come from? All the, you know, this guy goes to the line 19 times, the other team doesn't go in, and he fixes in. Because the whole right. Donaghy stuff, what do they think about the fact that there's somebody in the front um, office who finished fourth so in the World Series of Poker, which, by the way, might not mean a damn thing. You know, I play sure. poker, but, you know. No, but it's just the think? optics, right? Like, and I'm not, I mean, listen, this is nothing against Bob. The guy's listening. He's doing something right. He's just stacking up money based on his intellect and his abilities here. But right. um, if you talk about the league and perception and optics, um, for sure, I think it's time for me, and personally, I mean, I'm, I need to talk to the league more very soon about how they see this right here and right now in 2021, as opposed to, you know, in 2018, my general understanding again is, uh, I don't know all the ins and outs of this, but there was, there was a fairly serious process where, you know, the league obviously gave the green light on this hire. And they looked at this from a, you know, the gambling standpoint, they considered all these optics, but, you know, I think the part that Mark misplayed and, and there's elements here, not to generalize too much, but, Rich, you know, if you go back to when, you know, Michael Lewis wrote Moneyball and the whole theme of analytics versus old school scouting, right. you know, became a major part of sports, there's absolutely themes here that, that are consistent with that. And then you add in the gambling component. And so my opinion is that as far as Mark goes, he just, he did not understand how big of a problem a lot of his employees had with this from the very beginning. And then, and it really did get compounded. I've been doing this a long time, and I'm not trying to – there's nothing personal ever in reporting. But in terms of personal etiquette, style, all those things, you know, I don't remember running into a subject that I wrote about that, that where it was just not hard to find folks who, 
who really did not enjoy his company. So, you know, those the, those are two big time factors to combine, and they led to to where we got here. But the, the league, you know, if, if I had to guess, they're needing to look at this again and make sure they're still comfortable with this in light of all the noise that it's made. Senior NBA writer from the Athletic Sam Amick here on the Rich Eisen Show. Let's finish up with the ultimate question here. Um, because they've got a unicorn sitting there in Dallas. Is the rest of the league sitting there, sitting here watching this, putting their their uh, their napkin tucked into their shirts with a knife and fork, thinking that Luca <laughs> could be had in a couple years? What do you think? I mean, that's what teams do. That's what they always do. Um, you know, this off season, I think Damian Lillard's that guy that you know we're going to be monitoring, and Luca Luca's going to tell the world what they should think with this Supermax extension that, that again, the information right now is that he still intends to sign it. You're talking about 200 plus million dollars. So, you know, if, if let's say he, he does sign it, that's going to be a sigh of relief for Mark and the Mavs. Um, and then it's going to be rival teams continuing to monitor all of it. Who do they hire to uh, head up the front office? And, and today's reporting coming from the New York times and ESPN was that, that Mark has kind of, looped in all the, you know, the match fans, favorites, Dirk Nowitzki, Michael Finley, some other trusted advisors that they had a meeting yesterday to essentially get a game plan going here. That, that's, that feels like a very natural, smart move. Um, but, yeah, teams are going to be watching. And, it, I mean, if I was a rival executive, I'd be all over the situation every day of the week because the bottom line is that Luca continues to tell people around him that this environment has been frustrating to him. And the obvious thing here is that they lost in the first round two years in a row when he was pretty transcendent and he was fantastic and it was certainly not his fault, so to speak. So, you know, you know the game. Those factors typically lead to uh, to drama when it comes to a star player. We'll just kind of see where this one goes. So are you saying that the, the moves in the last couple of days could actually be read uh, equally as much as we're reading it, that there's been enough dissension that, um, that the general manager is now gone, coach follows – that these moves might be made to assure Luca's signature on that Supermax contract, create the, cir- the circumstances that's, for this? Yeah, I mean, that's my own suspicion. Um, and, I, and again, that's a smart play. Um, because, uh, it, you know, listen, when we wrote that he was still, all indications were that he was going to sign the Supermax, it's one of those pieces of information that as I wrote it, you're kind of going, all right, that's what you guys are telling me. You know, but... You know, I don't know, because we heard stories right out the gate about Luca's reaction to the Donnie decision in particular, and, and he publicly talked about it the other day. He was very close with Donnie, and that's who drafted him. I mean, if you look at, you know, the, you know, the Mavs organization that Luca came into versus the one that exists now, if, if you're a young guy who doesn't want to waste one day, one week, one year of these special basketball years, it's the last thing you want. You don't, you don't want instability. You don't want chaos. You know, you want to just be able to, to go make the most of your talent. So I think for sure, everything they do right now is intended to, to kind of calm Luca's fears. So last question for you, Sam, that I know you don't have the answer to, but I'll ask it anyway. Uh, Luca drops in 66 instead of 46 in game seven. Are we talking about this right now? Do you think? Um, Against the Clippers? The not day? to this degree. I mean, I, I thought, listen, I thought Rick was back. Um you know, that's that was the intel coming from his camp. Um, th- these issues, we were going to write about some version of these issues regardless, whether it's second round defeat. You know, this story's been in the works for quite some time. So, 
that stuff would get out. I think Bob Bulgaris would become part of the narrative. But, you know, no. I mean, like this, I, I think Rick, um, if he gets to the second round, he fosters a, a, maybe a, a little bit more goodwill with Luca, where you have that success. Losing twice in the first round mm. when you were up 2 nothing, you know, that probably was a tipping point. But, you know, we'll never know. But but I think it probably wouldn't have been this dramatic. All right. And I lied. That's not the last question because you mentioned that this. Okay. That, yeah, yeah. Here we go. Last one. I promise. Because uh, you'd mentioned that this uh, non-playing season, as I like to refer to it in sports, um, for the NBA, that the guy that is going to be focused on as maybe he could be moved is Damian Lillard. Do you really think there's any there there with that? Maybe. Yeah, for sure. Um, huh. I do. And, and it's a little bit analogous. It's not as dramatic by any means, but it's a little analogous to the Dallas situation from the standpoint of, you know, star player uh, waiting and watching to see what the organization does. And so if the Blazers in Damien's mind swing and miss on the head coach, then you have just pushed him even farther out the door. So, I, I, you know, in, there's, I mean, listen, there's been some reporting that's been shot down so far elsewhere about the question of GM Neil O'Shea. Is there any chance that, that Jody Allen, who is now in control of the team when her brother Paul passed away, that there'd be a front office change. So, so far, that does not appear to be the case. But Damian, um, I mean, listen, he, I know him pretty well, covered him his whole career. He's, he's, he's been moving differently lately. He put up an Instagram post right after the playoff loss talking about, you know, quoting Nipsey Hussle and talking about how long do I stay dedicated. He doesn't do those things. He's very deliberate. He's very calculated, very smart. So, um, and there's certainly a lot of smoke right now around him when it comes to just the the general idea that if they don't get it right, that um, there might be a tough conversation to have about what comes next. Damn, that would be that would be something. I mean, if Portland can't win with him, you know, maybe they close up shop, move to Seattle. I'm serious. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. how, how talented a guy can you have? Because we're talking about shot making in the playoffs and who can make a shot and who can you depend right. on. I mean, Dame time to walk it and talk it the way that he does. If he if he if essentially decides I can't win here, then how who the hell is going to go there to win there, right? I mean, I'm with you. Yeah, wow, no, hundred percent. I mean, it's you know this this is we could talk what ifs all day, but for me, I always think back to when Lamarcus Aldridge decided to go to San Antonio. I just I mean, who knows how far they would have gotten, but I feel like that was unfortunate. Like Lamarcus got essentially intimidated by Damian's rise to stardom early and uh, kind of headed for the exits. You know, maybe that would have been the thing that, that at least got them to a higher level. And, and because you now have this totality of frustration from Damien's part, where other than the one year where they got to the West Finals and got swept by the Warriors, you know, it, it's been an individual profile that's just gotten better and better and better with league wide respect. And then a collective profile that has largely been the same, which is that, okay, you all win a bunch of games, but you're not really a threat when it matters most. Sam, thanks for the time. Great reporting, great conversation. Let's chat down the line. Appreciate it. Thank you, Rich. Appreciate you. You got that Sam Amick of the Athletic. Sam, you don't forget the underscore. That's how you can follow him between his first and last names on Twitter. Luca. Whoa. Everybody's going to start circling around. Oh, yeah. Uh, no doubt. Hey, look, you know, Cuban calling in Finley and Dirk, and let's come up with a plan. Yep. You know, and Dirk is crucial. I mean, if Dirk and yeah. Luca looks up to Dirk and reveres Dirk, and there's Dirk saying, We got this. Don't you worry. Sign that contract. 200 million bucks. Cuban will take care of you. You know that. You love the area. Let's go. But 
What's with the state of Texas? Where the Texans hire a life coach and 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 give him a lot of say, sway in in a front office, and then the te- the Mavericks. And I, and I understand that you're the analytics. What's more of an an analytical game than poker? You know what I'm saying? Like where, where he was odds and probability and stuff like that. I, I I know that. Yeah. But to, who knew how? I, I got to go back and read Moneyball again. I don't know how much how it stands up or not. I was thinking about but, that too the other day. But actually, how watershed a moment was that in our sports world? Big time. Where yeah. analytics starts taking things over, and just the idea of analytics, and suddenly somebody has a certain sway. But Cuban calls it total BS. We'll, I'll, I'll, we'll reach out to Mark to see whenever he's free and wants to join the show again. Moneyball's almost but a twenty-year-old book. No too, doubt. I don't know if it'll hold up. Yeah. But the whole idea that like that 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 numbers are king and odds and analytics are trumps pretty much gut everything feel. gut feel knowledge experience right i mean if if that is in fact what what caused donnie nelson to be bounced wow wow it's just nutty 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 when we come back do we have a new possible long-term quarterback in washington dc coming up next right here on the rich eisen show and more It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. We'd like to play a game with Chris Brockman and Mike Del Tufo over there, okay. where I will read out the facts. They will guess whether it's true meta or false meta, and then you will confirm. Okay, let's okay. do it. First uh, fact, is true. During my rookie season with the Chicago Bulls, I applied for a job at Circuit City. True meta or fake meta? I've heard this story. I believe that's true. Mike? I, I, I'm going with him. True. A true story? That's a true story. Woo. That's a true story. Did you get the job at Circuit City? I, I, I did get the job. I got wow. the job. I got my discount. I was trying to stay out of trouble. Okay. And I needed a job. <laughs> Next fact. I wore number 37 for the Lakers because Michael Jackson's album Thriller was number one on the Billboard charts for 37 consecutive nights. <laughs> oh, true meta? No or way. No way. No way. Is it fake meta? That is 100% true. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's true. I knew it was 37 album, weeks, man. but I wouldn't guess. All right, next one. Right That's before his comeback with the Wizards, I broke uh, I broke two of Michael Jordan's ribs in a pickup game and delayed his comeback by three months. I was so upset about it, 
didn't leave my house for days. True meta or fake meta? I think that's true. I'm saying true. It's true. <laughs> it's true. I love Michael Jordan. My one of my well, probably my favorite player. You broke his ribs? It was on accident. It was a summertime okay, pickup game and it was a intense game. In 2010, an art show honoring me was held in Toronto, Canada, entitled "Lovable Badass." Yeah, uh, false. True. That's true. Yeah, we have a tie. Oh, yeah. I was surprised, man. I couldn't believe it. It was a really good show. Lovable badass. <laughs> they just said, hey, we want to honor you. I'm like, for what? You know, and they just had all this art of but, me. All right, last one. In 2010, I was cited for driving a race car with an expired registration down a city street. <laughs> oh, True meta or fake meta? <laughs> Uh, based on his reaction, I'm gonna say true. <laughs> I gotta go true too. That's I can true. I can That's true. That. That's true. It was an Indy 500 car. It was fun. What, <laughs> what city? You know, you in uh, Westwood. <laughs> Westwood. <laughs> Westwood. In UCLA? Yeah. yeah, they pulled me over and. Um, <laughs> I mean, but it was street legal. That so, is fantastic. So it was street legal. It was, it was just legal. that you had an expired registration was the issue. The, what happened was the officer was like, what is this? That's why they pulled me over. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, they couldn't say I had my license. I had, was I had it an IndyCar? It was IndyCar, yeah. That's, but it, you know, you're young and dumb. How did you, you fit in that thing? I, I didn't really fit. <laughs> I was real like this and hitting the gas with my one little pinky toe. It was, <laughs> I went, <laughs> it was tough. <laughs> YouTube.com slash Rich Eisen Show for our full show archive at Rich Eisen Show. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram as well. Get our podcast as well. 844-204-RICH is the number to dial. Ron Rivera saying of Ryan Fitzpatrick, there's no, but right now the focus has shifted to shoring up the rest of the positions. Meaning that's why they didn't draft a quarterback. Also... He said, again, there's nothing that says Ryan Fitzpatrick can't be the guy for a while. If this dude continues to play at the level he has and Brady's showing everybody else and that these veteran guys can do it, just ask Phil Mickelson. He'll tell you. I want to talk about this with, uh, with um, Lewis Riddick. That's for sure. Lewis Riddick is joining. And the other thing I want to talk about with Lewis Riddick, and I'll give you my two cents on Fitzpatrick and all of that um, next hour as well. Here's another thing I want to talk to Lewis Riddick about. We saw yesterday that it was at the end of our show. Was it yesterday, two days ago? I don't know. They, they all run together, Chris. When the NFL came out with protocols for fully vaccinated players and people not yet fully vaccinated. Basically, it's like fully vaccinated. It's uh, it's like to use the Seinfeld reference. It's like walking into that bar with the with the models, right? <laughs> right. Where everything is everything is like it's you want it to be. Right, right. Right, right. No masks, you don't have to be tested, you can go out to dinner, you can actually do all your, you know, social media and social I mean social at slash media slash promotional events, you could do all that. Not fully vaccinated, it's like when they went back to the club and there's no supermodels and it's all gone and it's totally empty and dusty. <laughs> you gotta do last year all over again. And I, I quite honestly don't understand. I know Cole Beasley, there was a lot of news involving him and saying, you know, the NFL PA, you know, what, what's your malfunction and the NFL's doing it just for money. You know, you could say it's just for money. It's also for health and safety. I mean, it, the, it, I don't want to go too deep into that because I also don't understand the complaints that players are saying 
about these COVID protocols that they're biased against people who don't want to get vaccinated. Like, yeah, it's a business. And in this business, you know, the NFL kind of, I think, is done, one and done with having a, a regular season where there's a game scheduled on every day of the week by season's end. You know, I remind my friend in, uh, in the slot in Buffalo, you know, there was a game against the Tennessee Titans that almost didn't get played because the Titans had COVID issues and it had to be pushed back to the point where the Bills wind up playing the Chiefs the next week. It had nothing to do with them at all. Their schedule with the Chiefs got affected because the Titans had COVID problems. And they wound up playing the Chiefs on a Monday night instead of a Sunday in a driving rain and then got waxed in that game. And that's the sort of stuff that could have cost you the AFC Championship game being in Kansas City as opposed to your home. I mean, it could go on and on and on. So, yeah, it's maybe about money, but it's about we don't want to do this anymore. And I don't understand players who are saying, yeah, I got a problem with my my teammates having everything like it used to be because they were fully vaccinated and we don't get it to be the way we want it to be because we're not fully vaccinated. The answer to that question is, yeah. Yeah, that's the way it goes. Because they don't want to have Monday night games played on a a Thursday or a Thanksgiving Day game pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed and then finally played on a Wednesday. You won't do that anymore. If you don't have to, you don't have to. Here's the problem, though. What if a quarterback doesn't want to get vaccinated? Like I'm reading Christian McCaffrey talking about how Sam Darnold is taking things over there, which is great because the kid deserves a break. How much do I talk about that with the Jets? How this guy deserves a break and all the crap that he's had to deal with. Absolutely. Right? From coaching change and then this change and that change and mononucleosis pointing at the screen and all that sort of craziness that he had thrown on him. Great. Good for him. But if he doesn't want to get vaccinated, what happens? He's going to be on Zoom and the rest of the team is going to be all in a meeting room by themselves? Is that the way it's going to go? Like, hey, rest of the team is meeting in person. There's your quarterback right there on the screen, zooming in. I want to ask that of Lewis Riddick. Are we going to see, is this going to, like, how does this work in terms of a cohesive football unit? And, you know, for people who are like, well, they're going to all be together on game day. Yeah, they're going to be the ones in a mask and having to stay socially distant. It's not perfect, but guess what? If half of everybody else is vaccinated, or hopefully more than that, the Seahawks are getting close to 70%, then there'll be less of a chance that, yeah, this game's up in the air. Or like the 49ers, 19 receivers are our sideline because potentially they were around somebody who might potentially have it. Oh, God, what a mess that was last year. So if you don't have to deal with that because there's actual science to help out with it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. But how does it work? How's it going to work? I want to hit that with Lewis Riddick. And then when DeForest Buckner joins us in hour three, like, tell me, you know, what? what's the concept? What's the talk amongst the locker room about who's vaccinated and who's not and the mindset of a player who, who might not be and is he vaccinated? We'll talk about that with him. Martin Sheen also coming up. Ray Liotta, Luke Wilson, and you, Lewis Riddick, next. Still here on uh, on Peacock. I want to I want to hit this moment because you know I talked with Sam Amick uh, moments ago about Bob Vulgaris, yeah, who is um, 
who finished fourth in the World Series of Poker a and he's a sports ago, gambler yeah. or whatever. And, and I and I said to him, Hank, hey, like what's the what's the way that the league is looking at this? The association is the front office of the NBA, that there's a, a, a guy who's referred to as a gambler who's in a front office. And I, I wanted to basically just say as well, like, you know, hey, just because somebody finishes fourth in the World Series of Poker doesn't mean that he's nefarious or anything like that. And I pointed out that I play poker too. And I, right, you know, yeah. that's the way I put it. And I'm not nefarious. That, that was the method. That, that's the reason why I said I play poker too. So my buddy Doug, who's out there, and I play poker with uh, every Thursday night, just texted me during the commercial break. Did you compare yourself to a guy who finished fourth at the World Series of Poker by saying I play poker too? In a way, yes. The highest you yes. finished in the World Series of Poker is? I've never been in the World Series of Poker because, as you know, as a, na- a National Football League employee, I don't know if, like, I told you that one time I had a charity oh, uh, poker tournament. For your birthday, For right? my birthday, right? Yeah. And I sent, and I put out an invitation to my birthday party that had four kings on it. Hey, come play poker and then hang out for my party later on that night. Right. And there may or may not have been a cash prize as well, but there's a charitable element. Sure, of course. And I sent that to everybody in the NFL, including Roger Goodell. And Steve Bornstein calls me to my office, the Grand hey. Poobah. And Richie, did you send this uh, invitation to Roger Goodell? Did you really? I'm like, yeah, I did. Like, wow. And he 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 asked me what my uh, my malfunction was, but that is a much cleaner version of it. Polite version. <laughs> but poker is it's. Poker is. I mean, it's. I mean, it's fun and friendly. It's not our profession. Right. 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 Yes. But I'm also just because we play poker doesn't mean I'm. I have a shady side that can actually be a problem with. with No, no. Everything writ large, which is why I said I play poker too. Right. Not like, and baby. By the way, one day maybe I will be at the final table. My fanny pack, like Richard. (laughs) Well, he had a, a Seymour. He had a strap bag, oh, okay. and it was Louis V. Rich. Okay, big, my big bad. Difference. Well, yeah. whatever. Yeah, you ain't ready for that yet, Rich. So yeah, <laughs> the nefarious. Doug just pissed off because I sucked out him on the river last night. 